0: Red and blue. before 1902 We had nothing to do Then along come Norwich So I had a yellow and green we have a
1: come Welcome to the Along Come Norwich podcast, a quaint quest through the Norwich City quibbles that need addressing and quickly quashing those quizzical opinions we could all live without. I'm Tom and I'm joined by ACN regulars John Hello. Bad time to take a sip of yeah, tea. Lorny. And we're delighted to welcome debut pundit Dave Freezer from Arch and Towers. Hello. You join us two days after the dreariest of Derby Day draws. And as we settle into this international break, we'll work through a bumper bag of listeners' questions, no doubt have an argument or two about whether Farker is capable of doing the job to which he's contracted, and round off things with the ACN quiz. So obvious place to start is with Derby Day. Uh, I know that three quarters of the room were there, so let's start with the one who wasn't, John.
0: What are your what What was your takeaways from a distance? Um, well, I watched on red button, so I did watch all ninety minutes from one particular camera angle. It's about one hundred and twenty minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Total no, it was time on the pitch, fifty-eight minute half. It was ridiculous. Um, first half, um, I thought Norwich played relatively well. First half, I thought we probably looked a little more likely to score, carved out the better chances, and then we just went completely to sleep. Second half. Now, whether that was out of circumstance, because we got overrun in the midfield, second half, and it looked like... I can't remember, the guy who came on for Scoo, Yeah, Shalabar. Shalabar Sounds like a 70s disco band. Um, he pretty much ran the show, I think, and he pressed them a little bit higher, and actually Ipswich looked way better after that. I think we were possibly fortunate to get back in it, but we could say that Farker changed it. So it's interesting on the
1: Shalabar thing, because we were... He was awful on the ball. I mean, just, he he could not string two passes together, but what stopped happening was Rhodes stopped winning the ball and knocking it down, and we weren't then able to play from our more forward position. That was what, from, from my standpoint, seemed to change the most. He won everything in the air... Um, and and that really, really took away what had been relatively successful, which was just being quite direct. Well, I think from a television
0: angle, it was more his energy, and he kind of pushed them an an extra five yards up the pitch. And we were overrun in midfield. You know, kind of Leitner wasn't as effective as he was in the first half, um, and pretty much the whole of the midfield was struggling with it until they scored, and then we seemed to get a foothold back in the game. I think up until they scored, up until
2: Cole Skewers got injured, actually, and Chalva came on, we looked really good and i think the key man was both Rhodes and Pookie. like rose was winning stuff but it was dropping to Pookie, and then we were playing from there and once Chalabar came on he shot Pookie down immediately and we no longer had any way of getting out and then we were under pressure and i mm-hmm. think i think you're right once once it was scored i thought that was it i thought we were out of the game yeah I did. up until then or up until was got injured i thought we were really good we had four or five opportunities where we're one ball away from putting Rhodes or Pukki or Hernandez in on goal. And if you do that three times in a half, and we had maybe five opportunities to do that, everyone goes in half-time and says, oh, what a great performance, but that one pass let us down.
0: I thought first half Puky particularly looked pretty lively and worked the channels really well, kind of gravitated intelligently into pockets of space, and that could work. I possibly disagree about Rhodes. I thought he was muscled out of a lot of things. Um, I thought he looked okay, but... Yeah, I mean, the fact it, he was hauled off kind of speaks volumes. Is it too simplistic
3: to say with Skews that I was pleased to see he'd shaken off a quad injury ahead of the game because he's not a very good footballer. So, Charlebar coming on just improved yeah. them purely because of that. I think yeah. Cole Skews is pretty poor and has been a part of the Ipswich teams which haven't been able to beat Norwich. I mean, Rhodes is doing quite well in the air overall, isn't he? But the thing I liked early doors was that he was taking up positions that Oliveira wasn't last season. Mm. He looked like a proper striker, looked like he was in the, on the fringes of the six-yard box. And now I'm a little bit worried that he's going a bit Oliveira and that he's dropping deeper and deeper, trying to get more involved. And I want him further up the pitch. And, and to be fair, that's probably what Farker did with the changes
0: that he made once he took Buendia off. Rhodes stayed a bit further forward. Hmm. I then Srebrenia did as well. When he came on, he was much further up the pitch, actually. Which... He basically
1: hugged the left touchline Srebrenia to when he was on. Which he which came near Yeah, day. he did. Yeah,
0: Lorne <laughs> well, and Piggy were there. I'll go stand there. Now like, it was... Um,
1: I, yeah, I'm afraid I, I wholeheartedly disagree, John, for a change on, on Rhodes. I, I think Rhodes has been our standout new player. And Bendy had not had enough time on the, on the pitch yet. I think in terms of how much he has resolved, and Dave touched on it there, resolved what has been absolutely gaping for us. We haven't had anyone win the ball in the air consistently and nod it down to people since Holt. And he I'd and agree. he does that time and time again. And yes, I think you're right, Dave. He 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 was starting to drop deep, but generally his runs have been really, really good. And, and him dropping deep and stretching out to the right was what created the space for the three or four opportunities that you spoke about, Lornie. where if Pookie could have just put enough on it, to get it round the corner to, to Hernandez. He was in behind two or three times. And and as you as you say, we were both, after half an hour, 35 minutes, very, very satisfied with how little storm we had to weather. We were both in the car on the way down the A1, the interminably long, boring A140. I if you miss all the turning. That was on the way back, and um, that's not relevant. But <laughs> and it was one turning. Yeah. okay it was two um, <laughs> when when you got lost on the a14 it's yeah. okay. a straight road okay yeah. <laughs> okay now twice so <laughs> so uh, and i were, were pleased that we didn't have to weather a, a furious storm first half but then it turned out that that actually came second half um, and it almost seems like um, Hurst you know played his um, rambustious team talk card at half time as opposed to b- before before the first ball was kicked uh, I, I don't think we recovered from the SKU's injury. Um, I think that that really played into it. The last five minutes, we we, we were just playing out for half-time. Um, and obviously, naturally, it stunned, stunned them a little bit, as it does when you see a colleague go down with a serious injury. Um, but the second half, it just took so long for us to get back into it. Uh, and I'm, I am I think we then need to have a debate about whether or not Farker gets credit for changing it, um, or whether or not you think that... He was more circumstantial the first thing we need to talk about is the fact that he started to lose the fans audibly for the first time um the, the, Farka, what you're doing um so Farka sought it out a few times when it was about 60 you know about 68 69 minutes a few minutes after they'd scored and we hadn't reacted um and then obviously Buendia coming off um, was greeted with you don't know what you're doing um, really? Yeah, and Green was average, like really well, average. I, I
2: thought the, the interesting thing about that. I didn't was, say I said that. I'm, no, no, just, no, no, saying, no, I'm just saying but this was the fans, and
1: likewise, you don't know what you're doing, and, and audible boos when Rhodes went off because I and many around me thought Rhodes was, was was terrific, and if anything, it should have been a second striker to go for it, like we did at Birmingham. That's what we, that was the sub we were expecting, not like you know when the board went up and it was Rhodes off. That was a big surprise. And um, but but I, I don't, don't often defend, defend
2: about this. Oh well, I, yeah, and I'm gonna make that. But I often don't defend Parsley. For obvious reasons, because most of what he says is undefendable. Because I'm a moron. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he didn't join in with any of that. Um, but I do think there is a point, and this is the point I think you are alluding to, John, that when Farker brought dear off, there was a sense of, what are you doing? We're 1-0 down, you're taking off one of our most creative players, and you're putting on a defensive midfielder. But what I think that did was, Louis Thompson coming on, helped us weather that storm a little bit and we weren't getting out, when Wendy was on the ball, or on the pitch, we weren't getting in the ball and we weren't getting out of the back like the final third, once Thompson came on he shored that up a little bit and he gave us a base from which we then started to get into the game and we equalised not long after Thompson had come on, yeah. after that little flurry of good chances.
3: Well I, I did Wendy for our player watch which I'm sure some people love and some people hate, um, but he, so I was watching pretty closely and I think he was pretty much dead on his feet um, one of the strange things um, because he played 90 minutes in midweek of course and gave well, a lot as well he, in that performance gave a lot and he's still getting up to speed really um, one of the the awful things about Portman Rowe being in the press box is we can't see the majority of the Norwich fans because of the way the roof um, uh, is angled down we can just see that thin line of supporters in like the bottom tier um, so I can't say I really heard any of those chants from the Norwich fans, anything sort of negative. But Buendia, yeah, I think he was dead on his feet. Rhodes, remember, had a knock in training in the lead-up to it, so it was a slight doubt going into the game. And Trebeni had scored two at Cardiff in midweek again, so that sort of makes sense. But Thompson, yeah, I mean, we saw him playing that right position against Leeds, didn't we? I didn't I didn't particularly like it at all. That's That's not really his position. But it did provide that little bit of energy that they needed. I mean, he was the guy buzzing around in the box which resulted in the Ipswich player giving the ball to Leitner ahead of the goal, wasn't he? So mm-hmm. um, I think Daniel deserves a little bit of the credit, but the way he'll see it is that they made enough chances in the first half to be 3 4 nil up, all of them made by Moritz Leitner, and that's the way he tends to analyse games. So yeah, when Ipswich came firing out of the blocks, Hurst had played his card at that point, hadn't he? He got them fired up, and when they got the goal... To be fair to the Ipswich fans, I thought the noise was brilliant, um, as I say. we're where The loudest we? in ten years. I mean,
1: um, yeah. other than that sort of three minutes, the best three minutes of their life in April or whatever... And that, that, but again, it wasn't for the full 14 minutes. They ran out, because that was something we commented on. It was five or six minutes of incredible noise, and we were like, oh, here we go, this is this, this is it. They're finally enjoying their moment. Yeah. And then after eight or nine minutes, it was still caught one nil and they were quite comfy, but they just ran out of steam. It's like, yeah. they're not used to having 10 minutes of singing. It was <laughs> so almost like the team. It, it was almost like the team, like when they were one nil
0: up, it was like, shit, they peaked. what do we do now? Yeah. And they couldn't see it out. I actually think they regressed
1: once they got the lead. I think they got nervous. I think they thought, oh God, we're actually going to beat Norwich. They yeah, yeah. <laughs> just didn't know what we, to do. We did yeah. say, I think, when we just started, because there was about, that, the, the lightning goal came after three or four minutes where we were just starting to swing our passes together. And, and Lorne and I did say to each other, they might have scored too early here, as in mm. scum. You know, They, they might have actually <laughs> given us a bit too long to get our shit together, because mm. had it been later, we might not have had enough time to do that. And you don't normally credit Alex Tetty with this, but I thought he was as integral to that as Leitner was in terms of just keeping
3: the ball simple. Yeah. And he was obviously the one waving his hands around getting everyone to calm down, wasn't he? He showed real leadership, obviously, with all those young guys behind him as well. And I thought he actually
1: had a really good game overall. I think yeah, I no, it's great... uh, uh, very early in the season, but I think that the it's because of some of the people who have moved on and some of the people who, aren't, who haven't been selected and, and released, etc., I think that he is probably the closest he has been to our best player in his time at the club it's only six games in and a cup game um but he's he his influence is absolutely colossal and and we need to wrap him up in all of the all of Norway's finest bubble wrap and cotton wool to make sure that he, he stays fit but then he didn't play against Leeds and then he did play at Cardiff
0: I, d- I found that yeah. a bit odd. I His the appearance at Cardiff wrong... was a strange one. Farker kind of alluded to it, didn't he? He said it was like five or six days, he's all right, because it was Tuesday to Sunday, but he's never been that man who can play two games no. in a week. But he did, so fair play. And one other point I liked about the Ipswich game,
2: and I think it's similar um, to the Leeds game, is I think the reaction immediately afterwards was far outstripped how good or how bad it was. And I think in the cold light of day, particularly the Ipswich game, Talking about it now and thinking back to those moments, like we played a lot better during that game apart from that 20 minute spell after half time where we were under the cosh. Which we pretty much saw, they scored a goal obviously, but we got back into it. I think that performance was, was better than the kind of really
0: anti-reaction that it's Caused. I think you need to get that into context. though this is a team that's bottom of the league playing really dirge football, and actually, first half, you guys are saying no, we have played really, really well. If we played N- okay. No, I think we shaded it. You guys are saying we played really yeah, well. I, right, I, so I haven't said I think, I think we played okay. I think we shaded it, but we shaded it against a team at the bottom of the league, devoid of confidence. And actually, if we'd have got our, you know our shit together, we could have been a lot better on the day. I um, think the thing I'll say to that though is, and he may disagree now, but
2: after about thirty-five minutes. Tom turned to me and said, if this was any other game, if this wasn't Ipswich, we're, if we were at Preston and we are playing like this, everyone would be like, yeah. we're really comfortable here, we're absolutely fine. It's only the fact that it's Ipswich where you start to think, oh shit, how are we going to fuck this up? And <laughs> I don't know what we Context. Do. But I think, yeah, I think the actual, the performance
1: was fine. We, we looked really, really comfy in that first half an hour without doing anything spectacular, but as, as the point I was making to at the time... And it was one of those where you thought, well, because we keep nearly getting the ball through to Hernandez, something's going to drop in a minute. And if it were, if you were at Wigan or somewhere else, you you would be happy that you weren't going to have a sad drive home. Um, the, the worrying thing for me is still that we are so disjointed and we're so. Um, we're so inconsistent within. We can't. We can't even play a whole half of football. At least under Alex Neil, we would play forty-five minutes good and forty-five minutes bad, and so occasionally that would be first half, and occasionally that would be second half. But now we seem to have these twenty-minute spells of complete disaster, or like Leeds, fifteen minutes of real positive or whatever. Um, and it's only I don't know six, six and, a, and, a, and a couple of cup games in, but we that that, that for me is the is the is the concern. There are there are some there are some people on uh, that are in my echo chamber on Twitter who aren't as patient and aren't as as positive as you guys and I think it is important to um, to kind of represent what they were saying after the the end of the Scum game because I I feel whilst there were some positive signs actually losing drawing to bottom of the bottom of the league needing to rescue a point. Yes, there were some injuries, etc. I, I don't think that's what we were expecting. Taking out the fact that it's Ipswich, because actually that doesn't really actually matter, um, The uh, that is not what we would have signed up for, um, and that's not the kind of progress we expected. So, we've got a, a, a bumper mailbag of questions that have come in. So we're actually gonna start with um, Dougal McCormick um, from Facebook, uh, simply because it leads on perfectly to this point. Um they ask, are we close to clicking or forever falling short? Um, and I, I will happily go last on this one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Final word. Final, Final word. word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, close
3: to clicking. I don't know about close to clicking. I mean, there's another six-game um, block of fixtures coming up after this international break, before the October international break. And clearly there are some potentially winnable ones in there. Reading away, QPR away, Wigan home we also some difficult I mean, Borough when they come back from the break is gonna be a very difficult one. Of course they're level pegging with Leeds as as things go. I mean, I predicted tenth at the start of the season, so it wasn't like I was expecting to see um, this team that Farkas had to put together or has had put together for him to a certain extent. I I wasn't expecting them to be knocking teams aside week in, week out. What 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 they need is to have a more consistent season and not you know go off the end of the cliff like they did after the unbeaten run in what October November time last year if they can continue to pick up an away point and and have better home form to make sure that they're at that bit close to the top 6 then Sadly, I think the reality for the club is that that's the improvement they're looking for because they don't have the money to chuck at it that the rest of, you, you know you look at the rest of the division and there's a lot of money that they're competing with. so if you could get 10th, which was my prediction at the start of the season, then you try and once the finances are balanced even further, then they can maybe have a look at a playoff chase from there but some people just aren't willing to accept that are they? And unfortunately it's the reality. <laughs> but it's not you know the patient isn't there particularly on, on social media people just don't don't want to wait they want to go on football manager and you know cheat to get the uh, <laughs> to get the money in the bank i don't but know why i doesn't that. think of that
1: <laughs> go on then, john
0: are we close to clicking or are we just forever going to fall short with the current setup well i've been on holiday for two weeks although i have caught most of the games um on the wonderful i follow service or sky catch-up service um and actually, taking that in, taking the game so far, and I think we've said this on this pod relentlessly. What Norwich City are is a balanced side, and we haven't been for since last August. You know, it's either we're good going forward or we're tight at the back, and there's never really been a happy medium in that respect, short of pockets of games that have, have you know, kind of been slightly different. Um, but and I think the mitigation around that is that the midfield just at the moment doesn't seem balanced at all. Um, we've either got Lightner out wide in a right-sided kind of attacking role or he's playing deep alongside Teddy or Teddy's playing, he's playing horrendously because he's absolutely knackered or he's not quite fit. Um, and so I think there's some serious issues that need addressing in the centre of the park which hopefully are then going to link defence and attack and make us more of a cohesive outfit. And I think probably Kenny McLean is a big part of that because I'd see Norwich's strongest lineup from what I've seen so far as either a Teddy or a Thompson or a Godfrey hold him and then a Leitner and a McLean as your ball players to be able to link defence and attack. We don't have that at the moment and Leitner's kind of here, there and everywhere. Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, all right, an injury to one player shouldn't completely scup your chances, but I think it, that is a serious consideration.
2: I think there's a team there that could go on a really good run and I think a big part of it is confidence for me. Like, I think had we uh, scored that penalty against West Brom and gone on to beat them and not conceded later Sheffield United then this would be a really good start and everyone would be looking at the same thing slightly differently. Uh, so I think it's a big confidence thing, I think it can click, I'm fairly optimistic like you say when McLean comes back that that gives us a much more balanced midfield in terms of him being left-footed as well, I think he will then drift left and O'Neill goes out onto the right and you have that kind of asymmetric thing yeah. that Farker likes, but without
0: Louis Thompson being one side and O'Neill Hernandez being on the left. Or Vrancic as well, and I think that's something that we haven't really talked about, is that Vrancic hasn't been in and around it because of injuries and he could probably do a similar role to McLean in terms of ball playing. So.
1: Hmm. What is the timeline on um, McLean?
3: McLean was—he's due to be back in training, I think, during the break. Oh, okay, so we might
1: that, get a glimpse of him quite in that six-game run, then. I,
3: I, I think so, and Vrancic as well. I think is supposed to be pretty much back as well. So there's a lot of midfielders there, aren't there? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's a conversation that we had on the way down. Um, the I I, I actually um, was thinking more like lower middle tape uh, in the middle of the bottom half of the table in my prediction of, for the season. Um, but think that the team is good enough to finish in the top eight because I actually think the squad and the, the players are really nicely balanced. And I, I agree with, with with Punt at the moment. We haven't been playing a balanced midfield, but in terms of a, a squad and eleven that he can pick from, even with you know a couple of the midfield injuries we've got, and um, the fact that we've got options for width, the fact that we even got midfielders to have a choice of who we're going to play out there, the fact that we've got the option to play three five two because we've got. Um, adaptable midfielders and, and a few centre-backs that aren't you know, too horrific, um, just means that that I actually think with the right coaching, the right tactics, with a bit of momentum and a bit of confidence and a bit of luck, I completely agree with Lorne. It is, it is a sort of team that could have a kind of underdog feel to it um, and could exceed expectations like some of Wilder's Sheffield United teams, like Millwall's, you know, some of those that have managed to sneak into the playoffs because of confidence, belief, Luck with injuries, etc. I do think it's a better balanced team than we've probably had for quite a few years. Yes, it hasn't got any massive stars in it, and it doesn't necessarily have some of the individual quality like a Madison here or a Holt there, etc. But I think the the gap between our best and our worst player is probably lower than it's or less than it's probably been for a while. Um, you know, we, we've got some good... Which end of the spectrum's come in there? Well, I think it's both of it, you know, and I think that's yeah. thanks to the youth, which, you you, you know, is a mixture of Farker getting credit for um, for taking a risk and playing youth, youthful players, um, and circumstance and budget that Dave mentioned, put, forcing his hand that he's got to, he hasn't got a choice whether or not Godfrey's a, a key man in the squad or, or whatever, he, he has to play because you can't afford to replace him. Um, and and I think that that's actually a really happy coincidence. And you know, just kind of before we completely move on from Derby Day, um, the, the one of the, the the nice things is you look at the, the shots of the the celebration of Momo's goal, um, and you know Aaron's, Godfrey's, and um, Thompson's faces. Like, I mean, they look like they're about to murder him. Um, but it's the, the passion. You can't you can't buy that, and you can't help but feel that. If we can keep those lads fit, and you know, get hopefully Louis T fit again, um, I mean, what what a Trojan effort that was, hobbling around, and it, and also you mentioned about um, Teddy telling people to slow down, calm down. I was really impressed that um, with um, with Louis thinking. He, he was kind of moving to wherever the ball wasn't, and he was marshalling the other midfielders. and basically saying, you need to go out there, because I'm going to stand here, because the ball's unlikely to come here, I'm occupying this player, sort of, but I need you to move over. And I was really, really impressed with that for, for, for such a young long lad. And if if we can keep a, a youthful spine of the team, not only will it buy Farkin more time, if there are some more stuttering periods of form, we're going to win one, lose one, lose two, draw one, like we have been doing, Um that will that will buy the, that will buy more patience and the fans will be more willing to watch a, a young team that a lot of, of which are Academy players learn together than they will be a bunch of misfits who that who some people are a bit cross or a bit cheap, etc. And um, and and therefore resent the club a bit for, for that being where we are.
3: I think what people forget with Louis Thompson is that he played nearly 100 games for Swindon mm. as a teenager pretty much. So he was sort of on Madison's pathway into becoming a potential Premier League player and he was at Norwich for what two years before he actually came back and started uh, sorry he was out on loan at Swindon for two years before he actually came back so yeah I I think that the character point is an interesting one as well because you could probably say the same with Daniel that if they hadn't have had a head coach who was as likeable as Daniel if it had been a Glenn Rhoda type who really jarred people off he'd be gone by now but because people like Farker yeah. and they want him to yeah. succeed they've just given him a, that little bit of breathing room to, to carry on but clearly there are, there are some people where that patience has is, is sapped already and some people aren't even willing to wait till Christmas or whatever but um, yeah I think that likability side is, is quite is quite high actually in the squad when you, if you think of the likes of Pinto, Zimmerman, Louis Thompson, Tetti there's loads of players in there who are really popular just for who
1: they are yeah. mm-hmm. Cool, okay, so let's move on to some uh, listener, more listener questions. That was a brilliant one, by the way, Warwick. Um, uh, so up to the top, Lonnie.
2: Well, Stuart Wardrop on Twitter, we've sort of covered his question already, but he asked the question of who would you pick in your ideal NCFC midfield, but I think we've pretty much covered, but
0: deserves a mention as a good question. Does Does he mean now or all-time, though? No, no, uh, that's, the that's a bad question. All-time,
2: oh. no. <laughs> uh, all right, next one, Rob Whalen on Facebook. Can we get
1: anywhere with an inexperienced squad? Yeah, with the right coaching
0: and the right tactics. Yeah. Because if, right. if they're good enough, they're old enough. Depends what we mean by anywhere. If we means if he if he means can we progress from last season? Yeah, probably. If he means can we sustain a playoff charge? I don't think so this season. But
1: but we don't have an. I don't think we have an inexperienced squad. Um, Rhodes has been to a few rodeos cruel um, has been around the block a few times. Close has played international football. So, Teddy's done promotion with us before, playing in the same role and the same position. Who is a seasoned international. Yeah, Hanley's I mean I, uh, uh, again harking back to Sunday, but Hanley loved that performance on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He was super. Um and he, he gets it. He clearly gets it. Um yeah, I I, I think we, we can rob, but I also think that we don't necessarily have an experienced squad. I actually think what we have is um some impressionable youngsters that that could add a little bit of freshness um, to prevent what maybe has been a little bit of
0: a bit of a stale feel around the club recently. Next one. Do you want me to ask a Facebook one? I've got some Facebook ones here. Look, you're like this, Tom, this is for you. So it's from Richard Freezer. When you say you like this, it's for you. Or? It's pretty much for you. Okay. So does the fact gather up your toys? Yeah, go on. Ready? Does the fact Bielsa has transformed Leeds within five months using pretty much same players as last season show that Farker is not up to the job, or did Farker inherit a worse mess than Leeds United? Uh, well,
1: it seems like people are just copying and pasting my tweets and in, in, in phrasing <laughs> them as questions on the Facebook group. Um, no, I, I wrote, no, I wrote almost exactly that word for word on the, the Leeds review. That, that was my summary of the Leeds review. Effectively, it adds fuel to those who don't think Farka is likeable, like me, um, that you think, well, uh, when someone is able to do exactly what... Um, who is it, Sorry. Richard, Richard, yeah yeah, so if as Richard says you've got a coach who's come in and been able to um completely uh, well seemingly early in the season, of course um rework a style with with very limited resources other than his massive reported you know colossal wages um yeah, I think that does put pressure on any underperforming manager from from last season I, I think that's it's bound to. It doesn't. It is it's a special case because he is a, a heralded one of the best possible managers on the market. So you have to you have to dampen your expectations, as Dave was getting at. We don't have the money, and we don't have a Bielsa. You know, no one expects Farker to do that because he's near, He's not fit to lace his boots. Well, can't be that, And he
0: didn't experience any of the outgoings at Norwich City. Yeah, I, I, as think well. I think the that's
2: the caveat. Bielsa's been given a different job. Bielsa's job is to come in to a squad that they expensively assembled and make it play well. Farker was asked to come in and basically rip up the squad and start again. So while you can say, yes, Bielsa has managed to turn around an entire style with the same 11, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think I said previously that I'm a huge fan of his, but he hasn't, he hasn't got the same task that Farker's got. So to, you can't, it's like comparing apples and pears. It was...
3: Fine tuning that squad really wasn't it. I mean they were they literally finished on the same points as Norwich last year, didn't they? In pretty much the same goal difference. Yeah, they were both they? Awesome goal difference. Right? Yeah, so. Goals, yeah. Um, I mean they have spent a little bit. Patrick Bamford seven million. Barry Douglas three million. So immediately that's more than Norwich have had to play with. But I was so impressed with them at, at Carrow Road. The, they literally took one touch where Norwich players were taking two, and that comes from twelve the t- or twelve. I mean, <laughs> You know that that comes from the manager sat on his bucket and um, telling people where to press, and I thought that it's just given them confidence. You know, if you're a championship player, and I know he's the hipster's choice, and everyone thinks it's great because he's mentored Guardiola and Pochettino and whatever, and it could still go completely wrong. You know, he's called El Loco for a reason. He does mad things, and we've seen with his. Um, uh, you know, his struggles with, with English and stuff that you know that could easily backfire if things start to go wrong. But if you're a championship player to play for Marcelo Bielsa, just like when Rafa Benitez was at this level, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. And if that gives you another, you know, 5% to your performance over the co- course of a season, that can go a long way in the championship. So it's an inspired appointment, but
2: I'll still love it when it goes wrong. Mm.
1: If it
3: goes
2: wrong,
1: mm.
2: so we go going on, Stuart. Well, they've done yeah, that yeah. we'll go on Nick H because obviously Dave mentioned it would love it when it goes wrong me and you both want it to go right yeah, so we've got I want Leeds soft back in the Premier League yeah I all do want the big clubs all day in the long prim, yeah. so there's the Nick Hayhoe question um, he previously asked which clubs we dislike for no particular reason so it's the reverse of that which clubs do you have a soft spot for so I'll start obviously I like Leeds uh, which there's no real one or reason for other than I just like them uh, I've also followed St Pauli that everyone knows in Germany which is for political reasons, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for sort of the local teams that aren't Ipswich, so Colchester, Lute, and Cambridge. I Colchester? Know, even I after all the... Know, uh, I like Robbie County, County, Cowling, yeah. Yeah. I think I like Colchester because they hate Ipswich as much as uh, we right. do. <laughs> but no one hates them, really. Yeah, <laughs> I feel sorry for them. Well, they I, like them. Nice. I, like, I like local teams. If I could pick, And Peterborough I really like because I really enjoyed that FA Cup tie on the That was terrace. great, that 3-0, wasn't but it? Lovely, that was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think Cambridge is probably my...
1: My second sort of local team, if you like. Mm. I'm I'm Leeds, but not for random reason. Purely because I I lived there five years and loved the city, loved my time there, um, and I, n- therefore know loads of their fans. Um, and you know that that's a proper football club with proper history, proper pedigree, and they know what they're watching. Like that, they are not. um you know, I'm I'm the worst example of of maybe a fickle football fan who, who's up and down like a roller coaster, but. They, they, they are quite an informed group and they don't make split decisions and they will probably be a bit more patient than some fan bases because they know what they're watching. Um, I also have a soft spot for Chelsea because one of my best friends at school... Um, Chelsea was, or uh, Chelsea? No, well, well, both. Simply because I had a friend at school who had a season ticket and went every week before Chelsea. Um, and so I've got a bit of a soft spot for, for them as well. I like but it. I mean, I don't exactly... It's, it's something of a, something of an in joke with um, with some of my some of my friends, um, but you know whenever Norwich play either Chelsea or Leeds, obviously it's Norwich all the way.
0: I can't help but gravitate towards teams that I've managed on Football Manager and done really well with. So, deny <laughs> uh, <yeah, Austin> United. <laughs> well, Rochdale, I took to the UEFA Cup final, which was. Have, you, have they put the statue of you outside <laughs> outside spotlands yeah. yet? And I signed Nathan Ellington for Rochdale, and he was brilliant. Um, and Forest Green Rovers I took to the Premier League so yeah I'll, I'll have those two okay. <laughs> Dave? Uh, well the easy
3: one for me is, is Scunny because I've covered them for a couple of years um, t- but uh, to avoid that one uh, Gillingham weirdly Meesh. I've ended up going to quite a few Gillingham games because my housemate at uni is a diehard hard to uh, but he lives in Cheltenham his dad um, was a big Gillingham fan, and, and sadly passed away when he was younger. So he, he sort of—it's a big part of his personality to follow Gillingham, you know, whenever he can. Um, fortunately, he's got a girlfriend now, so that has lessened it, and he's got a bit of a life beyond <laughs> it. But um, he has dragged me to quite a few Gillingham games over the years. But he is so. Het up about Gillingham that he can't listen to games on the radio because he says it gets his heart racing so much that he just can't handle the the stress of listening to his team. So yeah, I've been to um, I've been to Colchester and I've been down to their ground a couple of times. Um, I, I've been to Cheltenham a couple of times when Gillingham have been there, which obviously for him is like you know yeah. a big big deal. Um, actually, that one of the memory that sticks out was um, Cody McDonald scoring. A late double to win at at Cheltenham, which for for my mate Chris was literally like heaven. And he's one of these numpties who charges to the front of the stand to Lives. celebrate with the players, <laughs> um, and absolutely loses it when they score. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Gillingham.
1: That's a fantastic answer, um, Cody McDonald X. Ex- uh, One-time Norwich City goalkeeper, I remember, as well, for, <laughs> for a few yeah. minutes. JPT, was it? Uh, probably. I can't, I can't remember it. Well, one, he started the game, so I, I don't yeah. think it could have been a league game. Next one, Lorne. So,
2: next one is Matt Gregory. If you had the choice of Norwich having a billionaire investor but losing its identity as a family club,
0: would you take it? Hang on, what's the choice? There's just one option.
2: Well, having a billionaire owner or like but losing it it's all as we are now. So I think that the point is if you have a billionaire investor you automatically win loads of prizes or you sit mid table in the championship but, but you a don't candidate. automatically
0: win prizes look at Aston Villa
2: well obviously
1: that that would be your answer yes
0: so um, are you giving me guaranteed glory
1: no no it's just would you take the? would, yeah, you, would, you, would, take you, the would you take the, the increased I think a, I think it alludes to you're much more likely to have success you, you, not, you might not but it probably does strengthen your chances a lot if you have yeah. a billion and you, and you basically you, you weigh that up with losing the family club element at least Jim and
2: his yellow tyrant on Sky Sports News
0: would have you believe that that is yeah I'd stay as we are because I think it's much much sweeter when you actually get there so yeah I'm happy as we are sweet is never as sweet without
2: the sour Lord. Exactly. I completely agree. I I find it incredible that people want Delio out. Right? When you look at other clubs' owners and how other clubs are run, like I think it's I think Norwich are in the ideal situation for what you want from supporting your local football team. Is you've got a team that that represents its local areas in touch with its community, and we're not going to win it every week, but. You know, if you football wouldn't be enjoyable if one three
0: 0 every week. We've never really had the like the dealier debate on this podcast, have we? Yeah, in terms of, I think that's because we have probably all debate. come. I don't I think, think it's a debate. Is a debate. It's out there. Well, well, yeah, yeah but if we have to look, yeah, but exactly, we yeah. haven't yeah. talked about whether the moon landings are real. It doesn't mean <laughs> it's that it's we haven't talked
1: the Earth flat? Because that's <laughs> Not a debate. <laughs> no, I, I'm 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 the same. I would much rather. It's not quite as succinct as Dave's answer. None of mine are. But I would much rather. Um, overachieve occasionally than underachieve regularly um, and I think right now we probably are <laughs> punching slightly above our weight with the with the wage bill we have um, and particularly the, re- fork, the? the recent success we've got um, no because wage bill is, is a remnant <laughs> from before his time um, so yeah I, I really I, I really would um, I, I think we can have the deal conversation very very quickly and then we can say we've had it um, if there is a if there's a genuine better offer and uh, I've heard nothing from any of my um, friends who know way more about it than I do that would suggest that they are in any way clinging to power, being greedy or anything. If there's a genuine offer, they will listen. That's that's what I've always been told. And so therefore, if, if it's time for them to hang up and, and move on, if, if it's time for them to hang up, move on, and Tom looks after it for a little while and does his best as a custodian of the club, not in a position to put in billions of pounds, but he too is a custodian until there is a genuine offer, then I'm all, all behind yeah. that as well. There could be a lot worse people than Tom looking after the club. Smith, not me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would be, I'd be yeah. a fucking nightmare. You want owners that care about the club and don't treat it like a plaything, don't you?
2: Yeah. And we've got that. And we're having the debate on the way back from Ipswich about Marcus Evans and what what is he, who is he, why is he there? and What we, is he, who is he, why is he? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, as we said in the preview with uh, Gavin Barber, the Switch fan... It's, he described it as a dysfunctional marriage where neither of them want the other person, but they're they're stuck together, they can't get out of it. And Divorce that, is
1: a lot of admin, I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> awful. <laughs> That's what my wife tells me. John,
0: Delia debate, go on, weigh in. Um, I think, look, I, I'm a big fan of Delia and actually I'm hugely appreciative of what she's done for the football club. I think they probably could have been a little more active in seeking investment because as we've just alluded to, actually if you have a little bit more money then you can... Potentially be a little bit more successful, so I think the noises that they made around we're not going to listen to offers as much as that might have been taken out of context, um, and we don't know if Henry Winter kind of misquoted them or misrepresented them, didn't do them any favours. Um, but no, nah, I like them, and I think they genuinely care about the club and having met um, Delia, and I think you know, we say Delia all the time, but I made the point on Twitter the other day, it's Michael as well who's a properly decent bloke and really nice to talk to. Um, she always seems to be the figurehead for the abuse, but they're both in it together. So, no. Big so what you're saying is, Michael Jones is a lovely bloke, and you really enjoy chatting with him. He's lovely. At least <laughs> give <laughs> him
2: half the abuse. Yeah.
0: yeah. And he yeah. bought me a drink, so it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Dave Delia tends to quite quickly
3: take control of the conversations. doesn't she? Yeah. she yeah, she can, she can talk. Um, and drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um,
1: I Dave works for the Archant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I... I think it's without doubt that
3: Delia and Michael want the best for the club, and I think most people can appreciate that. And and I mean, going back to the AGM last year, Ed Balls um, did say that you know if ever there was investment there that they saw as as being genuine and in the best interest of the club, then of course they'd explore it. But from all we've ever heard from them, it's that um, they've never had anything that they considered to be a genuine um, offer that would be considered good for the club now, you know it's Norwich being where it is geographically as we see with challenges of, of um, recruiting players is probably going to play a part in it but you'd think that Norwich could be a um, attractive asset to someone but now they would probably have to be in the Premier League with someone to do it but equally you know you look at the amount of bad owners like the venkies and the people at Hull and that's just ruined their club so you know if if there's a billionaire somewhere um, who has a, a keen interest in Norwich and the interests at heart, then, then yeah, probably go for
1: it. Um, we but... need Lawney to make his billions... He doesn't believe in money, so he doesn't believe in money. No, he wants to... We had this one. We, we had a lot to talk about because I kept missing turnings on the A140. <laughs> I mean, there aren't any turnings on the A140. That's, that's where I went wrong. <laughs> but the uh, we did discuss uh, your wanting to rip up currency as a, as a, as a thing, um, which which from the two other members of the in, of uh, the other passengers in the vehicle didn't give you much time to, to, to put across that theory. But I think that's for our... our Global finance podcast that we're, we're yet to record. Yeah. Isn't that what happens in Star Trek? It I'm not work re- in Star Trek. I'm not really a Trekkie. but no, I, no, I don't think no, no, I've never seen it. I don't think
3: they have. Um currency, do they? I think it's all sort of a socialist world where everything is uh, sort of built on uh, everything being equal.
2: Yeah, everything being equal, everyone do what you can for
0: each other, you don't need money. Lord needs nonsense I'm stopping you there. Um, Let's take another Facebook question. So John, back to Facebook from, oh my friend Liz Howlett who said she was at Portman Road with you guys, um, watching the talents of Max Ahrens, Emmy Buendia and Onel Hernandez and was thinking how long can we hold on to these guys for? Which transfer market will they go in? I mean, it's, it's Although, a little bit depressing. Those, it, like those
1: three, I think we'll hold on to them for a while. But um, it's it's Hernandez that might go in January. If we're in the same position we are now and he keeps being clearly our most impactful player. Don't say that. We're selling T-shirts with his face on, mate. Look. So, yeah, so all, you need to buy him as soon as possible because you've only got three months of wearing it.
0: Well, I, did, but I kind of read this question um, a few days ago, a couple of days ago, and I thought... Actually, who's our most saleable asset? And I wonder whether it's Grant Hanley because he's been absolutely phenomenal, and no one's talking about it in terms of him moving on. But I think he could easily step up to the Premier League and be a really dependable centre back. So I'd be more worried about losing someone like him than I would a Bunda or a Max Aarons or a Jamal Lewis or someone like that. I think he wants to play
1: football regularly and be a big fish in a team. I think, and and but he cause can he...
0: play football in the Premier League, I think, regularly. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I, I think that he he would he would risk ending up being a squad player like he was and that's why he was happy to drop down and come play here Um, and and from what I understand he's he's really enjoying the area um, and and imbibing everything that the the area has to give him Um, Any more Facebook questions?
0: Who was the third player? Was it
1: Jamal Max? Max? It was Max, Buendia and
0: Hernandez. But I think we could say it yeah. for any of the standouts at the minute, couldn't we? Well,
3: Jamal's the one who seems most likely to me. He'll be yeah. gone. He could, he could go in January if he was if he performs
1: consistently between now and then because he's already supposedly got plenty of Premier League interest, has not he? So um, several several in the summer, and they were they. I think they were quite brave to hold on to him because that would have really really helped them. Um, but they needed to sell a few shirts. Now that's the reality, sadly. Yeah. That
3: these young players are. That that's what they need. They have to keep selling yeah. and developing players if they're gonna ever
1: have a financial base to push for the Premier League. But Jan is superb. Again, on on um, on Sunday, he he was another one who is just so calm. His, his age is just um, for how how calm he is in a derby away to, to shepherd the ball out, not make silly decisions, not play cruel into into danger when he's facing his own goal. Um, I, I I think he's. I think he. If we can hold him until at least the start of the follow, you know, the following transfer window, as in sorry summer window, he, he's going to be upwards of ten million. He he is such a yeah he's yeah. such a fantastic player.
0: I think it'd be really interesting with Jamal Lewis because aerially he's really suspect. He can't head yeah. the ball very well. And I don't think many not Liverpool's fall backs so. though. However, not but yeah, you but in the championship, I think you face a different challenge in terms of like we said, Rhodes was gravitating out to the right wing, the left wing. All you've got to do is if you've got a big man, you're going to hit. Go and stand near Jamal Lewis because you're going to win the ball most times or drag a centre-back out of position. I think that's going to be his test, if he can improve there and he can become decent in the air. Because he's he's not a small lad, so he should be better in the air than he is. And he's physical, he's very yeah, strong. Yeah. And well, I think he will I wanna... get there, but I think that's the test at the moment for him. One of my favourite moments,
3: Portman Road, uh, just a little moment, which probably wasn't on camera, but it was right in front of us, off the ball... Um, they were running alongside uh, John, John Walters and Jamal Lewis running alongside each other the ball went out for a throw Walters barged Lewis off the pitch and he fell, fell over got up and uh, for a second I thought he was going to go for Walters but he took a breath waited for the throwing to come in got good old fashioned defending got his um, fist into his back got a grip of his shirt pulled the Walters down and headed the ball back over him and, nice. and that's John Walters you know 35 year old experienced Premier League player That was where Jamal sort of showed the calm head that he's got. I think the
1: guy's got big potential. Speaking of losing your head, um, I didn't see anything made afterwards of Max Ahrens shoving someone on the Ipswich bench. That didn't seem to get oh, yeah, picked really up at all. Was yeah, a He reacted of... really bad, but it was a challenge on someone else, and he just went nuts. And it, Clearly the ref can't see it, Lino can't see it, because mm-hmm. he basically shoved him almost in the face, it looked yeah, like. it, it was on ob- the telly. Ob- mm. ob- yeah, it was, it was opposite side of the pitch yeah. to us, and I've just I've just remembered that, that yeah, moment. We couldn't you- see the bench. So. Yeah. But it highlights another thing that I think God, that bench is like a tin pot, aren't they? I yeah.
2: <laughs> can <Sorry>. tell you. <laughs> this highlights another thing, actually, which we commented on during the game as well, um, which I think was missing from last season. is for me, another positive of this season so far. is We are starting to get that little bit of nastiness back in the play. So There was a moment really early on where Handley got kicked in the head, uh, where he dragged down their centre-forward and then came up with a cut face. Handy, clearly. We were almost counting ha- down ha- was to when, the, when, when it's going to happen. We were like ten. Yeah. So here comes nine. <laughs> but he wasn't a completely innocent bystander. That no, no, no. He pulled him down. He made yeah, yeah. sure he knew he yeah, was yeah. there. There was that little moment um, towards the end of the second half. It was right in front of us, where Hernandez was played in on the left wing. Guy came across, slide and tackled him, won the ball really clearly. And Hernandez just stood there, and as the offensive player got up, just left his elbow. Yeah, just to make sure, just he make sure that he yeah. hit him as he got up. And there's all things that the, like, you'd never notice unless you're looking out for them or if they happen in front of you. And there were things that the, like, the ref just completely bypassed. But we are starting to get that little bit of nastiness back that I think we really lacked last season. We're a bit too nice. 6-8. How did Colescue not get booked for where he... I think his Pookie was almost clear through. Yes. And he yeah, just slid right. in from behind. Yeah, and yeah.
3: I think there was was that the same No, that wasn't. There was one where he should have played advantage when Pookie went straight through. That's mm-hmm. right, yeah. And yeah, but I mean he got the penalty the dive, right, for yeah. for the penalty. I haven't seen but it back, it was definitely a dive then. Yeah. Uh, I certainly thought it was in real time. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the Godfrey one back, but I thought that was a red card as well. Which again is the referee
1: doing something. It looked bad on the it looked really bad on it, look, it looked fantastic from where we were. <laughs> we, we, we were like, yeah, brilliant, he's really gone through him there. Yeah, he smashed him And um, Just uh, going back to uh, O'Neill Hernandez, uh, we uh, a first for the Long Come Knowledge merchandise, we've actually got a player sign-off uh, on a design. Um, we can confirm that we have put in front of Ono Hernandez the, uh, the T-shirt design that is currently available for purchase at alongcomeknowledge.com and is our final uh,
2: question from readers which is uh, how do the sizes on the new shirts compare with your previous merchandise?
0: John, you can answer that I think Pretty standard sizing. Just just choose what you'd usually choose but in the I think shop and you'll be all right. I say, yeah. The I'd basis of the, the question
2: point. is that the Fark, Life, uh, question, uh, the so Fark was, Life stuff that we did early on was a little bit bigger than the yellow and green sand. Yeah. So there things. was two
0: T-shirts that we produced, which was the one that looked a little bit like a West Germany top, which had the NCFC on the front, and um, one that we called Canary Cosmo, which was like a New York Cosmo top from the 70s um, with a Farker badge. And they were really tight, um, so you'd have to order a size up. These aren't all at your normal size on Mm -hmm. AloncanLorage.com. And they are excellent, actually. These ones are brilliant. And and know full well that O'Neill
1: knows of the design. We are going to do our very best to see if we can get him in one watch this space who we wouldn't want a t-shirt with our own face no. on it but he hasn't got to keep it he just needs to appear in it so we can tweet it yeah. and sell some more t-shirts I <laughs> um, love it as long as he put it on his insta he'll be happy well was, he's liked it on twitter he already. Like, he liked it on insta <laughs> as well in so it, like it, 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 was, it was fantastic that we, we basically because of the nature of um, Cuba and and the, the politics there we, we did want to make sure that we signed off with him that he was comfortable with the the imagery used yeah. uh, and excellent was his, uh, was his take was we his did break. all
3: the unboxing um, stuff with him and Zimmerman and at the end of last season, didn't we? Was really and he good, yeah. loved it. He was uh, he was saying, "Can you send me this on Instagram? Can you send me that?" All he wanted was stuff for his Insta. He ripped <laughs> as well. Though, he, he was, he was brilliant. Zimmerman was terrible. He had no technique at all. He was like holding the punch bag with one glove and just <laughs> pounding it. It was. But O'Neill looked really, really good. Louis genuinely, looked,
0: genuinely looked a bit scared to take him on. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight O'Neill. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's just in a kid's blood, isn't it? Yeah. Say,
1: say. Finally, we will wrap things up with the Along Come Norwich quiz. The usual format applies, Dave. I know you're a regular listener. Uh, you've got a minute to answer six questions. If you get it wrong, then move on to the next one. Uh, and then anything that you pass or, or get wrong first time, we'll keep looping around until you've had an opportunity to get that golden six out of six. Mm-hmm. Um, so just so you know, some of your archant colleagues, um, Paddy, with a, with a glorious five, is currently the, the leader in the, in the clubhouse, as it were, uh, and I've got a, a lovely assistant with a time Is that right, Lorne? You're all ready to go So Dave, your six questions on football Your chosen subject <laughs> start now Wayne Rooney was sent off in England 2006 World Cup quarter-final fixture against which team? Portugal Correct Who managed Liverpool between July 2010 and January 2011? Ooh, pass Which English Football League club, besides Norwich Used to play their games at the Nest? Ooh. Hit chin incorrect <laughs> oh, which right. team did Michael Owen join after leaving Manchester United Real Madrid. incorrect name one of the last four nations to make their debut at a World Cup finals tournament sorry say again name one of the last four most four most recent nations to make a debut at the World Cup finals tournament
3: C- oh, no, Iceland
1: correct which national side did Claudio Ranieri manage before joining Leicester City oh I can't remember Finland. <laughs> incorrect. Who managed Liverpool between July 2010 and January 2011? Pass. Uh, who also played with the Nest that wasn't Norwich? Newmarket. Oh, incorrect. <laughs> Two <laughs> out of six. Tricky. That's not bad. A tricky question. They're like. tricky this week. For Did a change, it? I thought I'd make them tricky. Liverpool Ranieri change. was. It was a fair South way, Asian, wasn't it? No. It was fair Thailand. Ireland? No. Someone like no, that. Well, that it? You were closer geographically, Dave. Was I? Greece. Oh, um, oh yeah. yeah. Um, um, he lost the fair. didn't he? East uh, Europe. Europe. Uh, you were right in Iceland. The other three most recent are Slovakia, Bosnia, and Panama. Obviously, Iceland and Panama, Panama both this yeah, year. Yeah. Um, Michael Owen went to Stoke yeah, after Manchester are. City. Yeah, I got that
3: the wrong way around. Crystal
1: but... Palace played at the Nest until 1917. Really? You I have I no idea. Know I learnt that today <laughs> for my quiz. Um, Roy Hodgson. Did you Had, uh, in the fo- sometimes
0: your, your answers are wrong as well, mate.
1: Uh, so, I think you'll find that you've got two out of six, Poor. <laughs> uh, and it's time, John, for you to see if you can, this week, improve.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing very well, am I?
1: Go Ready, on. steady, your time starts. Now, who is in charge of the Scottish national team when they reached the World Cup finals in 1998?
0: 98. 98. Oh, 98. Oh, shit, I can see him as well.
1: No, uh, can you name the only Premier League manager in history to be born in Denmark? Brian Adrup. Correct. Uh, which English football club used to play their games at Burnden Park? Mm, Burnley. Incorrect. Where did Higuain play directly after Napoli? Juve? Correct. Name one of the five Italians to have played for Manchester United.
0: He's the fullback Pass, go on.
1: Uh, as a player, Ita Karanka made 28 league appearances for which MLS side?
0: Wow. Um, Toronto.
1: Incorrect. Who was in charge of the Scottish national team when they reached the World Cup finals in 1998? Craig Levine. Oh, close. Um, <laughs> which English football club used to play their games at Burnham Park?
0: Pass. Never going to get that.
1: Higuain played after Napoli. Oh, you got that. Sorry, Juve. Name one of the five Italians to play for Manchester United. <laughs> oh. Two out of Six.
0: Lorne's going to win
1: it this week, aren't he?
2: Well, football football league rounds are my... If I went on Mastermind, that would be my thing. So Burnham Powers was Bolton. Is the right answer. Um, oh, no, I didn't know that. But craved, I was another one that Brown, there. Brown, Brown is yeah. the right answer. Uh, the fullback, I think, no, is Matteo Damian. Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. And the keeper, Taibi. Correct. Oh, yeah. Can That's you
1: name right. the other three? No. <laughs> definitely not. Makeda, remember him? Oh, oh yeah. Italian. Yeah. And uh, Rodrigo Possibon. Of course. Me neither. Oh, yeah. Giuseppe Rossi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Colorado Rapids was who I took ranker. Yeah, that was going to be my next nice guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's right. So... I just have six Football League round questions? So, yes, you can. Uh, no, you've all got... Um, I should have mentioned before, it, there's a pattern with all of them. So you've all got a bit of management, a little bit of international, a little bit of former grounds. Um, okay, so uh, your six questions, Lorne. You're aiming for three to win, two to tie break. Start now. As of 2018, which English footballer has scored the most goals in the World Cup Finals? Gareth Lineker. Correct. Who is the only English football team that Craig Brown has managed? Oh, Blackburn. Incorrect. Which English football club used to play their home games at the Goldstone ground? Uh, Brighton. Correct. From which club did Barca sign Usman Dembele from? Uh, Celtic. Incorrect. Name one of the West Ham players to feature at the 2018 World Cup Finals. Uh, Anatovic. No. no. As a player, Claude Powell made over 480 senior appearances for which French club? Uh, Loyal. Incorrect. Uh, who's the only English football team that Craig Brown has managed? Uh, pass. Uh, from which club did Barca sign Usman de Belle from? Uh, PSG. No. Name one of the West Ham players to feature at the 2018 World Cup Finals. Uh, Javier Hernandez. Correct. You've won it. Uh, Claude Powell made over 480 appearances for which French club? Marseille. Incorrect. Uh, only English football team that Craig Brown has managed? Everton. Incorrect. Uh, oh, when, okay. French uh, It's one of the other obvious ones. You'd have got there probably third or fourth time. Lyon? Uh, no. No. Marseille? No. Uh, yeah, that's that's Morniche. Monaco? They're not really French, technically. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Dortmund
3: and Preston, the other two, aren't they? Yeah,
0: they are. Dortmund. Yeah, so. oh, dear, Dortmund. And have I mean, I've got Bolton on mine if I'd have thought? I thought you meant another team had played there instead of Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. If I said one. any of those words, that would have been... Well, the <laughs> Norwich one threw me. Well, yeah, but that's because we all
1: about. know that one of the answers is Norwich, but he covers Norwich, so I thought it, you know, that's why he got that one. So you win it with three out of six, Lorne. Play, Lauren. Um, well, I will go with the tiebreaker, um, just to see if uh, any of you guys know this little piece of, of trivia. Uh, it's the sort of thing that you either know immediately or you're just going to guess very incorrectly. How many siblings does former Arsenal and Barcelona player Alex Song have? This has been fact-checked. How many siblings, just generally, 13? In, in, your guess is 13? Brothers, or si- brothers and sisters? He looks like
2: 13 was a really good guess. It well, is a good uh, guess because he doesn't know. I'm
1: going to have 14. Okay.
3: <laughs> Could it be a trick question and he has none?
1: Is that, is that the answer you'd like to go for? I mean that would be a niche thing for me to think of. <laughs> he's not that clever. I'm not that clever. Uh, Twenty-seven. Wow. What? Yeah. Oh, well. It, um, he's wow. one of 28 11 boys oh. and seventeen girls. That that's, is mental. That's I incredible. Pro- I did Poor mum. Good well, Catholic I, family. Yeah, I don't know if there's any wow. step or half involved in that, but I would um, hope
3: there's some triplets or something involved there. That's
1: a good. That's a good effective rate of, uh, of knots, unless um, they're not all biological. Well, I, I, I didn't fact-check that bit. I didn't read that far down. Once I kept seeing the number 27 in several sources, I thought, I'll go with that. Well, I'm also, not sure
2: you two can complain about your two delights now that there's someone out there with 28. Yeah, that is was
1: hardcore. Two's enough, the <laughs> um, enough. With, with, uh, with family planning matters aside, uh, I'd like to thank ever so much uh, our daily guest, Dave Freezer. You're very welcome. But thank you ever so much for your time, morning. You're welcome. And thank you for you coming in as well, Pump. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to speaking to you, listener, again soon. Bye-bye.